0: Good morning. Good morning. morning. I want to give a shout-out welcome to our online church, people in our city, province, country, nation that have joined us today, and we're just so honored that you're a part of this service. How many of you wonderful people are ready for God's Word? Are you ready for God's Word? Come on, are you ready for God's Word? A big shout-out welcome to our wow children. Can we give a great big, come on, moms, dads, grandmas, grandpas, come on, we can give a great big shout-out welcome to our wow children. We are so glad that all of you boys and girls are with us in the service this morning, and we trust that you feel really a part of this journey. Well, I'm going to take just a couple of moments to introduce a sermon series, and I'm going to talk to you about our Easter vision in a few moments. But we're calling this March sermon series Relentless. And we're going to take five Sundays to focus and zero in on the word relentless and look at some relentless topics and themes that I believe God would want us to zero in on. So I want you to pull out your sermon notes. They are on the back of your bulletin. But as you're getting your sermon notes ready, I want you to notice that in your bulletin is a piece of paper like this, and it says, 2020 Easter at Woodvale. There's one in your bulletin. I think you also got one when you came in. I want to make sure everybody has one of these this morning, from youngest to eldest. It's so important. So if you didn't get one, just lift up your hand, and an usher will come and bring one to you. So ushers, I need your help. Just bring one of these Easter 2020 sheets. It's so important that everybody this morning has one. Secondly, you've also got in your bulletin an Easter invitation. I want to make sure you've got that. And we're gonna talk about that. And throughout the service this morning, I want you to think of the one. I want you to look to to your to the right of me, and you'll see an empty chair over there on the platform. And the empty chair represents the one person that you're gonna pray and believe that you're going to invite and ask them to come at Easter. The empty chair represents that colleague represents that neighbor, it represents that family member, it represents somebody that you are in some connection and relationship with that you're going to intentionally pray for and believe that they're going to come at Easter and experience Jesus because Jesus can change everything, amen? And I, I, here's the dream that everybody in Woodville invites someone and brings someone on Easter. Wouldn't that be absolutely amazing? And sometimes we leave it up to the pastor, the pastoral team. We leave it up to someone else. Well, well, someone will bring someone. But, but I believe God wants to use you. So we're going to talk about that this morning. But I want to introduce this sermon series. It's called Relentless. And I want to give you four introductory thoughts. So I want you to take notes. I think there's an extra crown in heaven for those that take notes in a sermon. I'm just saying. And I want you to take these thoughts down. Number one, let me give you a definition of relentless. Relentless means continuing... In a determined way, without any interruptions. It just means you're, you're going to continue in a determined way. You're, you're so determined about doing something. You're relentless about it. You're not going to give up. You're going to keep on pushing forward. You are going to be relentless about that. And today I want to talk about relentless change. Being determined about change. Not giving up, but embracing and understanding that we serve a Jesus who never changes... But we understand that the message may never change, but methodologies can change. How we do church can change. From time to time, we make some changes, and people come to me and say, is this the way it's always going to be? And I always respond with, no, this is the way we're doing church today. And, and because we believe that God wants us to always be on a journey of change but celebrating a God who never changes. His word never changes, but how we do church will change. Now, number two, this is, this is very key. Everybody wants progress, but no one wants change. I meet people all the time, yes, we want progress, but then when change personally affects them, they don't like it. Here's my observation. The only one on planet Earth that likes change is a wet baby with their diaper, Right? That's the only one that wants change. You, you know that's true, right? little one's going to cry and scream till you change the diaper. And then as we get older, we go, well, I don't, I don't like change. I, I like things to stay the way they always were. But in order to have progress, you've got to have change. And I believe that God wants to propel us out of our comfort zone. He wants to kick us out of our recliner chair, Right? And and he wants to bring interruptions into our life that are going to cause us to change. And change brings opportunities. It pushes us to do things that we've not done before. So everyone wants progress, but no one wants change. Now, number three, write this in your notes. I think this is so true. If you want what you've never had, you just might have to do what you've never done. Isn't that true? I think there was a definition of insanity, doing the same things over and over again and expecting a different result. I've kind of twisted that up a bit and I'm trying to say today that if we want what we've never had, we just might have to do what we've never done. We might have to boldly go to places spiritually and do things we've never done before. And God wants us to be relentless about change. So number four, this is a dangerous prayer and I'm not even sure you're ready to pray it and I'm I'm even nervous to pray it because I'm not even sure what it all means. But here's a prayer that I read one day that struck me and i want to share it with you it's a short prayer it's concise it's simple and it's clear lord do things we're not used to wow isn't that a powerful prayer lord do things that we're not used to god wants us to step outside of our box outside of the way we look at things he wants us to be relentless about change and your pastoral team and your leadership are experiencing and sensing god leading us as a church on a journey and I'm flooded and overflowing with some visionary thoughts that I'm still not ready yet to share. And, but, but I tell you, it's brewing in my heart, it's clear in my spirit, and it's all going to unfold in the months ahead, and I can't wait. But there's something we are very clear about, and it's Easter. We want to talk to you about that. I want to take you to Matthew chapter 9. And for just a couple of moments this morning, I want to camp on just three things from Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, down to verse 38. And the first thing I want to talk to you about, number one, is a statement. Number one, a statement. A statement. It's a general statement. It's a summary statement about the ministry of Jesus. Just so I know that you're with me, would you say with me the most powerful name, Jesus? Can we say that together? One, two, three, Jesus. Come on, let's say his name again. One, two, three, Jesus. Can you put your hands together and celebrate Jesus one more time this morning? What a great name, Jesus. Now, Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, gives a general statement, three things about the ministry of Jesus. Let's unpack it. Number one, one, we're going to see that he's teaching in their synagogue. He's teaching in their synagogue. It says in verse 35, Jesus went through all the towns and all the villages teaching in their synagogues. Everywhere he went, he taught in their synagogues. He went to the synagogue because that's where the place where people would go to who are searching things out. And teaching means that he was explaining. And I can picture Jesus explaining Old Testament Torah, Old Testament teachings, and talking about him and how he's about to fulfill it. And he's explaining. Teaching is explaining. So the first thing Jesus does is he's teaching in their synagogue. The second thing that we see Jesus is doing is he's proclaiming the good news. And it says here very clearly that he's proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. And proclaiming means preaching. Teaching is explaining, and preaching is proclaiming. When I was in Bible school, there was a big debate. Are you going to be a preacher, or are you going to be a teacher? I didn't know what the difference was. And one teacher said, well, I'll tell you the difference between a teacher and a preacher. He said, a teacher tells it, and a preacher yells it. I thought, well, that, that helps me. Teacher tells it, and preacher yells it. But I think a better way to understand is teaching is explanation and preaching is proclamation and i think in our proclamation we got to have some explanation i want you every sunday to walk out going i've learned something that i can i can have imparted into my life from god's word but i want you to notice that jesus proclaimed the good news i got a question i know the answer but i want to hear you say the answer how many of you boys and girls adults know that the gospel is good news come on are you with me today anybody believe that the gospel is good news anybody believe way up in the balcony you believe the gospel it's good news i mean the answer to life is jesus and easter is a great opportunity to have people experience the good news of jesus we have a grand opportunity a great opportunity and the good news brings hope and the world is looking for hope the world is nervous about the stock market The world is nervous about the coronavirus. We're we're nervous about what's happening in our country and trains and railway tracks. And we're all all trying to sort out what's going on on planet Earth. And, And there's so much happening in other countries. And people are searching for hope. And we've got the answer. Billy Graham said, whatever your problem is, Jesus is the answer. Are you with me today? Jesus is the answer. And so Jesus goes around and, and he's, he's teaching in their synagogues, number two, proclaiming the good news. And then number three, healing every sickness. He's healing every disease and every sickness. He's, he's teaching and he's proclaiming. He's preaching and he's, and he's explaining and teaching. And, and he's offering hope and he's bringing healing into people's lives. I don't know about you, but I'm glad that Jesus brings healing into my life. I'm glad that Jesus brings answer to my life. I'm glad that he takes a disordered life and brings order. So number one, I want you to see this general summary three-part sentence. It's a statement. Now number two, I want to talk to you for a couple of moments about a shift. And I want to show you something that Jesus was teaching to his disciples, and it was a change. It was a shift. And we see it in verse 36, and it's just three things, very quickly. Number one, seeing the crowds. It begins by seeing the crowds. It says, when he saw the crowds. Now, if you look this way, please, I don't want you to miss this. The disciples saw Jesus, but Jesus saw the crowds. Yesterday was a great day in our church, and we hosted the Promise Keepers Conference. Hundreds of men from across our city filled this building. It was exciting and a lot of guys from our church came and had an encounter with god it was great promise keepers conference and last night in the evening i had an opportunity you see we're we're in a multicultural church of over 75 nationalities and a young couple from in our church from kenya got married in kenya in december and they had a wedding blessing that they wanted me at and it was so cool i mean i love culture and I'm, and I'm learning. It was cool. They're all dancing like this, you know, as the couple comes in. And they're, they're just, you know, giving their, their Kenyan African sound, which I won't even try to do this morning. And then I got to share and pray blessing on it. It was cool. And so when I got the invitation, they told me where I was supposed to go, to this hall. And I'm like, it's on such and such a road in Barhaven. And I'm like, where is that? And I Googled it and it was in a plaza that I'm always at, and I've been to that plaza so many times, and I never knew that that hall was in that plaza. You know why? Because I wasn't looking for it. Now, let me give you another illustration. i got to ask a question. How many people, when you, how many, first of all, how many people like coffee? You like, lift up your hand. I lost the children on this one. I know that, but how many, how many of you, come on, you like coffee? Now, put your hand down. Now, don't do this with pride and arrogance because it's a preference. But how many people prefer Starbucks coffee? Lift up your hand. Don't lift up your hand with arrogance and pride. Just Starbucks. How many people like McDonald's coffee? That would be my wife's hand. She prefers that. How many Tim Horton coffee lovers? All right, put your hand. How many people prefer some other coffee shop? Lift up your hand. You guys are lifting your hand up with arrogance. That's my pastoral team right over here. Yeah, we don't go, we're, we're the cool guys, yeah. <laughs> you go ahead, spend your $8 of coffee, God bless you. Now, I like Tim Hortons. My car will just go there. Don't judge me for it, it's where I go. But occasionally, I've got an appointment to meet someone at Starbucks, and they go, and I go, well, what's Starbucks? And they go, such a corner. I go, dude, there's not a Starbucks there. I, I live in that area. I've been down that street a thousand times. There, Mark, there's a Starbucks there. and And I go there and there's a Starbucks there. And I'm like, okay, they just opened up yesterday, right? And you know, it's been there for years. Here's the point. You don't see what you're not looking for. you You don't see what you're not looking for. If you're not looking for it, you don't see it. And here's the disciples coming to Jesus, and they see Jesus, but Jesus sees the crowds. And, and, and the disciples didn't see the crowds. Now, P-L-U means people like us. And it's amazing how we always seek out people like us. But I want God to do an inner work in us that we would have a different look, that we wouldn't just look kind of like the Starbucks, McDonald's and analogy, but we would look outside of these walls and realize that everybody that your eyes lock with matters to God. Isn't that true? The drug addict matters to God. The person living on the street matters to God. Your teacher at school matters to God. I mean, every, everybody matters to God. And if we keep looking for people like us, we're going to miss what God wants to do through us. And so I want you to understand, number one, seeing the crowds, it's begin by opening your eyes and opening your heart and beginning, beginning to see like Jesus saw. All the disciples are looking at Jesus and Jesus is looking at the crowds. Number one, seeing the crowds. Number two, number two, feeling compassion. It starts by seeing and then it moves to feeling. And our text tells us very clear that when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. And the Greek word now, boys and girls, the New Testament's written in Greek, and the Greek word for compassion means to feel it deep on the inside. I mean, it's, it's like a gut feeling. It's an inner deep feeling that you can't shake. I've told you this many times, but I want to tell you again that I love going to the civic hospital, and I'm okay that the parking garage is inadequate, and I'm okay that I know I'm going to have to park on the top level, and I actually can't wait to park on the top level because I get a skyline view of downtown Ottawa and I get out of my car and I just stand there and I put my hands in my pocket and I look out over the skyline of Ottawa and I actually start to cry. I must look weird standing there crying and I'm standing and I'm going, I love Ottawa. I really love this city. I'm like a little baby and I'm just weeping and I'm just crying over the city because Ottawa needs Jesus. I was coming back from district meetings And I'm coming back Wednesday in time for a missions meeting. And I'm driving into the greater auto area. And the sign says a million people live in our city. Now, some of you, you live over the river in Gatineau. And we got a couple. And I think they're here in this first service somewhere. And they come every Sunday from Gracefield. We got, we got a family that come to the second service. They come from the United States, Augsburg, over the river. Twelve people, one family, every Sunday, pull out their passport, come across the border, and come to church. We got people that, come on, I think that's pretty cool. It's just amazing. We got people that travel from all different, and wherever God has planted you, and wherever you're living, these people matter. They matter. You got to see them you got to open your eyes and see them. I hope you know the people that live beside then Feel compassion. And then number three, this is the kicker one. Knowing their true condition. Oh my goodness, I pray that this third thought before we move to the final point would resonate in your spirit. Jesus, when he saw the crowds, had compassion on them because they were, three things, harassed and helpless and thirdly like sheep without a shepherd. Now, we got boys and girls in the auditorium, so I'm going to explain the word harassed as delicately as I can. And and I'm sorry for how it sounds, but the Greek word harassed means to literally take the skin off someone. Oh, that's kind of gross, isn't it? Just kind of peel away the skin. They're they're harassed. And then he said that they're, they're, they're helpless. And I want you to picture someone laying down and can't get up, and no one's there to help them. No one's there to help them. I was going to the Queensway Hospital a few years ago, and this elderly lady was walking, and her foot got caught in a pothole, and down she went on her face. Oh man! And I went and I ran into the hospital because I know I needed help. And, and I guess I, I, they must have. I mean, before long, there's like five doctors and ten nurses and equipment coming outside, and they're helping the person who's laying there helpless. And they lifted her up, and they put her on a stretcher, and they brought her inside, and they tended to her. She couldn't help herself. And the doctors and the nurses came out and helped her, harassed, to skin alive, helpless. She can't do anything, Like like sheep without a shepherd. Now I wish I had time to explain this, but all through the New Testament, Jesus calls people who don't know him lost. Lost. You ever been lost? Anybody like being lost? I hate it. I mean, when I'm on a holiday... Evelyn sees me, I, it's, it's funny how I react, you know, I'm driving somewhere, and I get lost, and I said, what's wrong with this place, their signs aren't clear, anybody married to someone like that, that's me, like, why did they tell me I should turn here, and I'm lost, and I'm frustrated, we're going into New York City, and I, I'm in Jersey, I'll tell you, if you ever go to New York City, don't ever in the summer go into New York City on a Sunday evening because all of New York is coming back from their cottages, going back into the city. And my GPS was going on steroids. It's all confused. And I'm confused. And I'm lost. And every car in New York City has dents in them because they all hit each other. And I'm, I'm, I'm falling apart driving into New York City. But then I get into New York City and I love it and God gives me a great moment. Like everyone's wearing the shirt, I love New York, but I love Ottawa. (laughs) But everybody in Ottawa who doesn't know Jesus is lost. They're lost. And someday they're going to step into eternity. And if they don't know Jesus, they're not going to heaven. Bible says heaven is real and hell is real. I can't do nothing about that. God is changing my vision, and I'm not looking for people like me. You want your church to grow, go after the people that no one else wants. I want Woodville to be a place for the bruised, the broken, and the hurting. And the lost feel safe. We need a relentless shift. And I want that second point to resonate in your heart. Number three, I want to give you the strategy. And it's right here from God's word. And it's right in verse 37 and verse 38. And I want to close this brief message with these three thoughts. Here's the strategy that Jesus teaches us in Matthew 9, verse 37 and 38. And number one, it starts with a surprising opportunity. I mean, after he saw the crowds, and he felt compassion, and he knew their condition, I mean, he saw, he felt, and he knew that they were lost, and they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd, Jesus shares a surprising opportunity. Look at verse 37. He then said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. Many of you know that we have three children. Our youngest moved away, and she's working in our district office. Why do kids grow up and move away? I don't know. There should be a law against that. And, and you know, we miss her. And our middle, our middle child, our daughter, is a teacher. And our, our son is in his early 30s and married and uh, three wonderful grandchildren. Can I show you pictures of my grandchildren? I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Jonathan was just a young teenager, and his best friend was a guy named Jake. And they grew up together, and they're friends to this day. And Jonathan had a number of jobs as a teenager. One of the jobs, he, he sold ice cream for, I think it was Dickie D's, you know, they write those little things and sell ice cream and then he worked at a garage and, and you know but one of his jobs he actually picked pumpkins for a gentleman in our church and the gentleman in our church would lease land or rent land just just south of our church on Greenbank Road you might have saw in the fall the pumpkin patch and you don't harvest pumpkins in the spring and you don't harvest pumpkins in the summer and you really don't harvest pumpkins in in the winter but there's a short window of time. There honestly is a short window of time in the fall when the pumpkins are ready. And if you drive by there, there's thousands and thousands of pumpkins ready to be harvested. And Jesus picks up that theme and he said, the harvest is plentiful. The harvest is plentiful. And I want you to hear me as I say this, Ottawa is ripe for Jesus. Nobody tell me that people aren't open to the gospel in Ottawa. Hear me, church. They are open to the gospel in Ottawa. Our city and our region is open and ripe, and we've got the answer, and his name is Jesus. We've got an amazing, surprising opportunity that we have to seize. The second thing that Jesus said, he gives number two, a somber observation. Number one, a surprising opportunity. Number two, a somber observation. He said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Let me go back to Jonathan and Jake. I mean, I want you to think about it. They're young teenagers picking pumpkins. It's hard work. They've got to bend down and pick up these large pumpkins and reach high and put them in this great big bin. There's no machinery They're the machinery. In fact, in these snowstorms, people have asked me, pastor, do you have a snowblower? And my answer is, I used to have one. And they said, well, why don't you have it anymore? I said, he got married. He got married. I mean, shoveling's hard work. Picking pumpkins is hard work. And John and Jake would work for hours picking pumpkins, and it looked like they accomplished nothing, but they filled these bins. And I'd pick him up afterwards, and he'd be exhausted. Son, can I buy you a burger at McDonald's? Yes, Dad. I'm so tired. It's hard work. Now, often when we talk about reaching our city, churches look at their pastor and say, Go, pastor. Go, pastor. You can do it. I'm telling you that we will experience the revival that God has for us when we all reach out to share the love of Jesus Christ. I want you to look back at the chair. And the chair where the light is on represents the one, that person that you know that you're going to pray for to come to experience Jesus at Easter, that you're going to invite. Just like Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers, the workers are few. Now, number one, a surprising opportunity. Number two, a somber observation. But number three, and I want you to miss this, there's a solemn obligation. A solemn obligation. And I saw it in verse number 38. And as I began to study this verse, I saw something that I'd never really had seen before. Jesus said, Ask the Lord of the harvest. Pray. The Greek word means pray to the Lord of the harvest, it's God's harvest. Pray to the Lord of the harvest. Therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Now, if you underline words in your Bible, or you've got your notes, underline the words "send out," send out, because in the Greek, which the New Testament was written in, it's one word, and the Greek word is ek belo. I don't know if I pronounce it right, but I'm doing my best. I like Greek food, but I don't speak Greek. All right, can we say ek belo together? One, two, three. Ek-belo. We can do a lot better than that. All right? One, two, three. Ek-belo. Ek-belo is a combination of two Greek words, ek and belo. And ek means out, not in, out. Belo means throw, throw out. Now, belo is a Greek word that we get an English word that I think you've heard, ballistic. Have you heard the word ballistic before? Now, if you're a hunter and you've operated a rifle, or you've at any time in your journey, maybe you're a police officer, I don't know, but I've, I've only handled rifles only a couple times in my life, and I get nervous holding the rifle. The kickback scares me. It really does. But I know that when you pull the trigger, something ballistic happens, that the trigger rams and pushes something into the bullet. And it thrusts the bullet far out of the rifle. Pastor Joe, you're a hunter. You know it's true. And I Googled it that some bullets will go a long, long ways. I mean, we're not talking feet. We're now into miles. And the distance that the bullet goes and the speed that it goes depends on the rifle or the gun. But, but often, when this ballistic thing happens and it booms against the bullet there's a little bit of smoke, there's a little smell, there's a little, little bit of smoke that happens, ballistic. Now, now when I was at a, a, a range where I was operating a rifle, and every time I pulled the trigger, there was this loud, sorry, are you ready for it? I don't want to scare you, all right? There was a loud, can everybody put their hands together? One, two, three, we're going to do this so we get it. Ready? One, two, three. We could do better than that. Let's, let's do it really loud. Ballistic. It's like, like, boom. Ready? One, two, three. You guys did great. My prayer, just like the ballistic thing happens in a gun and a little bit of fire is released, my prayer is that God would ignite a fire in me and in you. Now, the more ballistic it is, the farther the bullet is thrown. My prayer is that Holy Spirit would throw you out of this church. Wow, did pastor actually say that? Yes. I mean, you are the church. This is the building that you've come to worship. And I'm praying that God would do something ballistic, that he would thrust you far of this church into your schools, young people, into your neighborhood, friends, into your seniors' home, if you live in a seniors' home, into your work, and something ballistic would happen, and you would move away from PLU, people like us, and you would have new eyes to see your boss, your coworker, your classmate, your neighbor as helpless and harassed like sheep without a shepherd and lost, and that you would pray for them and believe that they would come at Easter and they would experience Jesus because one encounter with Jesus can change somebody for eternity. Anybody believe that today? Come on, anybody believe one encounter with Jesus? I want you to pull out the sheet and I want you in the next five minutes to allow Holy Spirit to speak to you Who is the one? Just put their first name, no last name, just their first name. Who is it that you are praying for and believing for that they would encounter Jesus? Somebody you know. Somebody that you will pray for and then somebody that you will personally invite. And somebody that you will bring. Here's what's going to happen at the end of our Easter service. Are you ready for this? I'm going to prepare you for it. We're going to give such a clear gospel presentation at the end of the sermon that we're going to ask people if they want to experience Jesus to come and stand at the front of this auditorium. I think it'd be powerful if you brought someone and you leaned over to them and said, Would you like to go? I'll come with you. Wouldn't that be powerful? Someone that you brought. Someone that you know. Because when they hear what Jesus can do in their life. I believe that they're going to respond. And I believe that they're going to accept Jesus. I really believe that. But I think God is wanting to have some ek bailo. You ready to clap your hands? One, two, three. He wants to throw us out of this church to reach these people, pray for them, and invite them to come. I want you now to take the invitation and you're looking at it and you're going, wow. I thought we only did two Sunday morning services. Well, we do. But I believe, and your pastoral team believes, and your leadership believes that this vision is going to catch. And we are so convinced that two services will not contain what God wants to do on Easter Sunday. Come on, give a clap offering to the Lord God. We really believe that. So much so that we're adding a third service. And you're thinking, well, Mark, 9, 11, and 1. Who will come at 1? You will be shocked and surprised. Because maybe the person you invite says, I can't come in the morning, but I'll come at 1. Would you consider coming at 1 instead of 9 if that's when the person you invite can only come? You might be thinking, why didn't we just juggle the service times? We've done that before And everybody gets confused. And so we've realized we're too big of a church to do that. So 9 and 11 and 1. If we did nothing on Easter Sunday and just had church with no challenge, no invite, no opportunity, we will have more people on Easter Sunday than any other Sunday of the year because that's the way Easter works. But now with this dream and with this vision, I'm convinced this building cannot contain what God wants to do. Come on, isn't that great? We think that's absolutely cool. If you go to our church website, you can now download that and forward that on social media, and you can spread the word. But I want you right now to get this sheet and pull it out, and I want you to write on this piece of paper one name, one name, and you're like, Mark, I've got so many names, but just today, one name, one person that you are believing that you're going to pray about and invite them to come at Easter. And you're going to invite them, and I'll tell you right now that the stats which say this is true, that if you're in relationship with someone, eight out of ten people that you know that you invite will say Yes. They'll say yes. They'll come. Wouldn't it be amazing if at 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock and 1 o'clock, this place is jam-packed, and everybody prayed about bringing someone and brought someone, and that someone came, hopeless, helpless, harassed, and lost, I can't sit back and I won't stop and I want to be relentless about change. If a million people live in this city, I want every million people in our city to know Jesus. Everybody, everybody. There's a lot of great churches in this city and we're one of those churches. I pray that revival would happen in this city. That every Bible believing church would be jam-packed at Easter. And thousands of people would come to know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. Come on, put your hands together and celebrate that. Now, boys and girls, look this way. I- I've been waiting to ask you this and invite you to do this because you're like, I, I want to invite someone, but boys and girls, we are having an Easter egg hunt on the Saturday. And I want the boys and girls to write on this piece of paper who they're praying for and who they're going to invite to the Easter egg hunt on Saturday. Wouldn't that be great? Because everyone that comes to the Easter egg hunt on Saturday, we're going to invite to come on Sunday. Come on, isn't that cool? And we're also going to have a Good Friday communion and water baptism service, but we're, we're really just building up to Easter Sunday, and it's going to be cool. Now, I want you to look at the front. You're like, What? is chicken wire doing on boards at the front of our worship center on a Sunday morning? Well, we're relentless about change and we're calling these the prayer walls. Anybody been to Israel before? Anybody been to Israel? Anybody been to the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem? Anybody? 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 I was hoping, yeah, you been there? And you see people just put little paper or whatever into the, into the Wailing Wall. These are the prayer walls this morning. We got one here, one over there, and one over there and we want you to write one name one, one name, just first name whatever it is, one name and then we want you to roll it up just like this it's all good now pastors, I need one pastor at each of these, these walls come on quickly and you're going to come up and you're just going to put this right into the wall this is the prayer wall This is the prayer wall. How many people know prayer can change everything? We're going to pray to the Lord of the harvest this morning. I said, we're going to pray to the Lord of the harvest this morning. I said, we're going to pray to the Lord of the harvest this morning. And we're going to believe that every name that's put into the prayer wall that you're going to invite are going to come and respond and experience Jesus who can change everything. Come on. Whew, am I making you a little nervous? You're like, Pastor, you're, you're really pushing me out of my comfort zone. I know I'm nudging you out of your recliner this morning. I know what I'm doing. Everybody knows somebody. And that somebody needs Jesus. Here's my analogy. I'm on the bus and I'm going to heaven but I want to get as many people on the bus as I can. Anybody with me this morning? Am I I lone low-ranger this morning? Anybody with me this morning? Anybody with me? We think we're with you, Pastor. If everybody this morning had a shift in their heart, when you walk out of this building and see people that need Jesus, and you care so much about them that you invite them, God's going to do something great big. So I want you all on your feet right now. Here, we're going to do this in a couple of months. Everybody on your feet. And there's two things we're going to do. It's Pastor Brad leads us in this song, The Father's House. I want you to roll it up, bring it down, put it into the prayer wall. And then I want you to consider picking up some invitations that you're going to use to invite people. And we're going to go all out because we've got a surprising opportunity this Easter. Here's what I feel in my spirit. I feel this Easter is going to be an Easter like we have never experienced. Come on, you people are already coming up before I said, come, this is awesome. I feel we're going to have an Easter like we have never experienced before. We're going to bathe in prayer. Now, as you're coming, God has been doing something on our prayer nights. Last Sunday night's prayer meeting was Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And our next prayer night, we're going to pray for Easter. I, I tell you, God's going to do some pretty cool things. So, Pastor, come to the mic and just start leading in the Father's house. And grab your invites. Put it in the prayer wall. This is the prayer wall. This is the prayer wall. Prayer changes everything.
1: The come home, the helpless find hope. The love is on the move when the fathers in the room prison doors cling wide, The dead come to life The love is on the move when the fathers come on sing prodigals the prodigals come home The helpless find home The love is on the move When the fathers in the room Doors fling wide And the dead come to life
0: On, give a clap offering of praise to the Lord God. Now, in just a moment, we're going we're to pray for all of these people. Every paper that's been rolled up and put into the prayer wall represents somebody that matters and needs Jesus. Your eyes have never looked at somebody that doesn't matter to God. Everybody. Matters to God, everybody, everybody. The disciples come and they saw Jesus, but Jesus saw the crowds. Jesus saw the crowds, and he felt compassion, and he knew their true condition that they were helpless, harassed and hopeless and lost. And then he looked back at the disciples and said, you pray for the Lord of the harvest. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Pray that the Lord of the harvest would ekbalo you people out. So come on, we're going to put our hands together one more time. One, two, three. I pray that the fire of God would ignite in this place. That we wouldn't just pray for these people, but you would personally invite them. You watch, they're gonna come. Boys and girls, invite your friends. Young people, invite your friends. Adults, invite the people you know. Now, you don't have to invite just one. You can invite as many as you want. Wouldn't it be amazing if 9, 11, and one was jam-packed to the rafters that some people had to stand out in the lobby because there were so many unchurched people in the house on Easter Sunday. Relentless means I'm going to be determined. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to be relentless about change. So I got a feeling church at Woodvale after Easter is going to change again because of what God's going to do. And I can't wait to see what God's going to do. I believe the best days are yet to come. The best days are yet to come. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to extend your hands towards these prayer walls, and we're going to pray. Jesus, every one of these pieces of paper have a name written on them. And every one of those names represents a person. And every one of those names that represent a person represents a soul. And they need you. We pray in the name of the Lord that when these wonderful people invite them personally, that they would respond and they would come And we pray that when they come, they would hear and they would listen. And we pray that when they hear and they listen and an invitation is given, that they would open their heart to you. And Jesus, you would save them. Amen. We are believing, God, that that heaven is going to be filled and hell is going to be emptied. Amen. Hell is going to be emptied and heaven's going to be filled. Amen. So, God, I pray revival, revival. God, I feel this building's not going to contain what you're going to do in the months and the years ahead. So God, let there be some ekbalo in this place. So we now start by praying and believing for revival. Easter 2020. In Jesus' name. Nobody whispered. Everybody shouted. Amen. Amen. Pastor, just a little more of that song before we go. Hold tight. Don't go yet. Just a little more of the song.
1: Come home, the The helpless find hope. The love is on the move when the father's in the room. Prison doors fling wide, the dead come to life. The love is on the move when the father's come on. Prodigals coming home. Prodigals come home, and the helpless find hope on the moon when the father's prison doors, come on, prison doors fling wide and the dead come to life. Love is on the move.